everyone. Welcome to another episode of Advertising Hot Seat. I've got Andrew Gluck and Barry Hot with me today, and we are going to argue about whether or not you should let Facebook YOLO into different audiences, or if segmentation and funnel stages and smart exclusions and inclusions of data actually make sense in 2023 when it comes to digital advertising. Appreciate you both being here. Thank you so much, and welcome to the Advertising Hot Seat. Awesome. Thanks for hosting us. Thanks for having us. I get automatic start at three, four points out of Barry because I'm already themed in my bathrobe, just got under the schwitz, you know? That's Unacceptable. True. Let's be clear here. This is all a copyright infringement on my intellectual property of my last name, <laughs> Hot. So I don't need to wear a robe or be in a hot tub. This is every seat that I sit in is legally a hot seat. Okay. Well, that's, God, technically right. That's <laughs> the best kind of right, I guess. All right, so let, let's get into it. This all kind of kicked off because of a Twitter thread, essentially. Yeah. All good arguments about advertising do. <laughs> and Barry, you were basically saying that, and I don't want to, I don't want to misquote you here, sure. so feel free to correct me on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were basically saying that it doesn't make any sense to segment out top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel in general, but on Facebook in particular in 2023 that the platforms and the algorithmic optimization does a better job than an advertiser would ever do, and so there's really no point. Is that a fair kind of framing of this this argument? Yeah, I said it's basically the new tools that are available are basically the death of the traditional top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel. Got it. Oh, boy, do I disagree with that. Great. But <laughs> I'll let Andrew go ahead and chime in first. Awesome. Sounds like it's going to be a two-on-one here. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty diametrically mm-hmm. opposed to that. I think, you know, obviously it's a little bit more nuanced than that, but uh, I think funnel away, you know, as much control as you can have over the platforms where you have enough data and optimizing to those different levels actually has an impact, the, the more you should do, even as they both, you know, Facebook, Google, another example of PMAX, you know, try and pull more and more away from you as an advertiser. Fight the man. Yeah. And I guess I'll take the perspective of a platform owner here, somebody that has a platform, and what I believe to be the incentives of somebody, a Facebook or a Google, which I guess puts me in kind of a middle ground between the two of you, to be honest, because on the one hand, you know, their top 1% advertisers will always outperform algorithmic optimization. There's just too much context, both from a quantitative and qualitative kind of standpoint, as well as just like... Ahead. I, I think I know I'm top 1%. Barry's admitting he's not. <laughs> that could be it. Barry's just hyper mid, and uh, yeah. Hey, so. you know what, Barry? Good for you, man. Letting Facebook manage your uh, manage your media spend is probably your best bet, to be honest. No, I'm joking. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, look, from a platform incentive wise, mm-hmm. their goal, of course, is to, especially if it's a sandbox environment. So, I, I got to break out two different concepts here: open web DSPs or ad buying platforms have the incentive they're aligned with the advertiser. A sandbox kind of sits on both sides of the fence, so they have kind of multiple incentives. One, to charge as much for their media placements as possible. So find out what that true value of that placement is worth to you and charge one penny less to keep you spending to maximize yield, as it were. Uh, But the other thing is to show big numbers to advertisers and show them quickly so that they keep spending. Advertisers... They tend to get spooked really easy, and you show them a big ROAS number, and they're going to keep spending. And so I think that's probably pretty true of the median media buyer that isn't seeing the long game. On the other hand, the platforms have levels of data that a media buyer couldn't ever get 
when you start diving into win logs and stuff like that, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of different data points on every single impression tied back to a user with a pattern of behavior mm-hmm. from that user. You can add in third-party context, like census data, and all sorts of third-party right. audiences and things like that, right? I mean, and create... And the example I often give to when I'm, when I'm talking to, to trying to, to explain the level of data that these platforms have is, mm-hmm. is Facebook might have two different people bid for replacement. This bid might actually be higher. Yeah. They'll actually give this right. one the winning bid. Again, everything gets back down to ECPM, right. quality score, et cetera, <laughs> because they actually know that that, that user is actually is going to be on their mobile later on in the day. They know mm-hmm. your pattern behavior that between 7 and 10 p.m., that user is going to be on Instagram scrolling. And this mm-hmm. advertiser does better on mobile, so let me serve that impression to them on mobile all instead right, of desktop. Guys, guys, no, yeah. this doesn't matter. We all get that, right? All of us get that. Probably some of our audience does too. That yeah. doesn't really affect this debate I, I in think, hand here. Okay, let me simplify down what I'm saying. When you're working with a platform, they have more data than a media buyer will ever have. And because of that, they can optimize in ways that media buyers would never think of. And so there is truth that the platform can optimize better than most media buyers. But that said, platforms are siloed in the data that they have. They're siloed in the outcomes and they're incentivized to very short-term wins, which cuts down the universe of possible customers into which ones are just ready to buy right now because I need to show wins to this advertiser to keep them spending, and I need them to spend as much as possible and as much as I can possibly charge. So on the one hand, Barry, I agree with you. Platforms are going to optimize better uh, on a micro basis than uh, any media buyer could. Just period, straight up, humans Jeremy, aren't as good you've, as you've just, well, uh, Jeremy, you've AI, just argued learning. both sides. Like, on what's the other the point hand, of this? You've just killed the whole debate. It's done. You, you nailed it. No, I didn't kill the whole debate. Actually, I'm taking the midpoint because I'm right and you're both <laughs> wrong. And the truth of the matter is, is that Andrew's right because let's mm-hmm. be real here. Most people aren't going to buy on a first click or a one-day mm-hmm. click-through or a seven-day click-through, you look at brands that have a 60, 90-day, 180-day consideration mm-hmm. period, and Facebook can't optimize Correct. for that. So it makes no sense to just YOLO into it because you need to actually break it out but by funnel Jeremy, stage. And that's you're where severely you're, that's limiting where I'm your ability to reach wrong. new customers. And that's where I'm saying both of you are wrong. And this is the fun uh, part. I'm, okay. I'm saying okay. I am one of the most, if not the most, skeptical person of Facebook's motives. And... And what can happen when you give Facebook total control? I generally hate it because I know it can cheat. And I tweet about this and I talk about this. I hate how much the system can cheat to make it look it's getting conversions and make it look it's doing things. I hate that. That is fundamentally a huge problem. We all don't and tons of people fall for it and they keep, they will. This problem, this solution does not solve that problem, but... I also know that there are way too many ideas and minds going into setups that are insane that think that they are generating more value, but have never, ever been tested against themselves. So people just assume that their setup of, okay, we get visitors in. Once they've been a visitor, now we only target them with this messaging. And now if they've been to the mm-hmm. site and done this action, we only target them well, with this I, messaging. That, that uh, is Just to jump not, into it, right. advertising and the creative that goes into it, I'm I'm with you. I'll give the power to Facebook. Let Facebook figure out the right ad. But you're not saying that, that because you're that saying time. that different but people no, in different no, no, parts no, of the I'm, funnel I'm, need different messaging and control. 
Okay. But, but, I never said but that. they do, I never, Jerry, I never said those but words. they do. Different messaging, different messaging is different than, than different mm-hmm. bidding, mm-hmm. different attribution, incrementality, sure. and different valuing them. I, 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 would, I would run the same creative against them. I'm, I'm with you. Let Facebook decide which Wait, Jeremy, which are, you say, are you in support them, of you know? sequencing, Jeremy? Yeah. Okay, let's expand the, the conversation a little bit beyond Facebook, right? I see sequencing work with audio. I see it where you put users on the path of messaging, and that's more effective than just hitting them with a single Jeremy, message over and over, right? You're talking or about optimizing a, for you're, like you're, just, you're talking. Let me just make sure I'm hearing you correctly. You're talking about advertising on a platform that's not skippable, or it's less skippable, or less likely to be skipped. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so when I'm talking about non-Facebook, I'm mostly talking about CTV and audio and stuff like that. So, yes, primarily I'm, not. And I, for the yes. sake of everything I'm talking about, I just want to be very clear. I'm talking about mm-hmm. paid social, which is almost, you know, a 90-something percent primarily completely skippable, avoidable. So that's that's fair. a big, okay, big difference fair. because of the, the assumption yeah. of just, someone just, having watched – a video A, then video B, and then video C and video D. It's not happening on yeah. Facebook. But think about all their other touch yeah. points along the journey. So how are you sequencing their Google shopping ad and then their Facebook yeah. retargeting ad? And then they get hit in CTV and you hit them with a direct mail that you sent three weeks ago and then they're driving down the highway and they see this out of home. It, yeah. Sequencing, it's impossible to do. It makes and, sense. Um, it makes sense for what he's talking about. Again, if you're forcing people to see the message, hear it even, or even within the yes. same you know right. hour yeah. i'm listening to a podcast let's say we have a sponsor celsius i'd love it if you want to sponsor me i spend a lot of money on your drinks but talking about celsius as a brand and then talking about different personas sure. that i can get behind sequencing within a tight time frame you probably yeah. saw 100 ads yesterday maybe one that you saw yesterday right right no i get it and look i'm just taking a contrarian standpoint here because it's an interesting yeah. conversation I think if you move back to first principles, though, I mean, logic. I'm the AC here. You're not allowed to be the contrarian, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. We can get into that if you want. So taking a step back, right? Just logically, the messaging that is going to work for a person that is deciding, okay, let's just talk about hot seat stuff. Should I buy a hot tub or a sauna? Is a fundamentally different ad, different creative that's going to inspire action than which hot tub should I buy? Those would be two different psychological triggers to get into the creative side yeah, of the business and away from platform, hot tubs, I don't even hit them with ads until they decide they're buying a hot tub, but I, I hear you. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, and I if live you're in a, a big world. brand, you have to focus whoa, whoa, whoa. on expansion. You have Hold to on. focus on expansion I, I, to some I, degree. Maybe this is a fundamental difference in, in the thing. I live in a different world. I work with carcovers.com, okay? The typical thing you'd think, carcovers.com, yeah. who's going to buy car covers? People that love their car, right? People that really... Yeah. I don't care about that. My goal for working with carcovers.com is to make every car owner in America and Canada anxious about not covering their car. That's my goal. I'm literally trying to lift the entire category up. I'm not trying to get people that are just yeah. somewhat problem, uh, problem or product aware to buy. I am trying to make this a problem and make every car owner anxious about losing their car, losing value from the sun, from bird poop, from trees, pollen, whatever. And at the same time that I'm preaching all of this and the segmented audiences, we recently started working with, I'm pretty sure they're the biggest DTC mattress company. And I fundamentally pitched them on what you're Mm -hmm. talking about, Barry. I said, 
let's put the audiences together. Let's optimize for which audience right. performs best. Let's optimize for which creative yeah. performs best, et cetera. Because a lot of these larger brands, especially when they're thinking about expansion, thinking about it in way too narrow mm-hmm. of a thing. Your media planner sits down, your creative director sits down, you kind of muse on what you think your customers are. And then you kind of create, you know, different creative forum or whatever, but it's all boardroom conjecture, right? It doesn't usually have a basis (laughs) in reality, especially because these people see sales coming in. They see some high level demographics of those sales, but they don't necessarily see all the stuff that a platform does. Now, where I'll push back, though, right, is platform optimization is based on deterministic Mm -hmm. data and deterministic data is getting worse over Huge time, problem. right? It just is. Huge problem. iOS, well, GDPR, CCPA, it, et cetera, I think et cetera. It's getting and worse like, for bigger like as brands get bigger too because the brand because of the nature mm-hmm. of the hodgepodge of where people are yeah. in their funnel experience, which look, my whole thing about all of yeah, this Yeah, channel, yep. channels also, right? You start with Google and Facebook and you yep. add on CTV Everything. and audio. And yep. now you're also mm-hmm. doing direct mail. And yep. now you're also spending more on top Even of funnel just SEO. just taking and, Facebook yeah. solo and just 10xing it, yeah. 100xing it, right? Mm-hmm. That alone causes more chaos in just the tracking where it goes from yeah. this beautiful almost oh. one-to-one to now it's where are all these sales coming from? Because, by the way, it's a social platform. So my, my whole thing about all this is it's all gradients. It's all shades of gray. It's all a spectrum. So I just Mm -hmm. don't trust most marketers to get it right in terms of setting up strict barricades between cold, warm, and and whatever based on specific actions that people have taken on Facebook or on a website. That's where I have a problem. And that's deterministic data. And that's deterministic data, and it's getting worse Mm -hmm. over time, right? And why you see this phenomenon where performance degrades at scale is partially because different people are in different stages of a theoretical funnel. Let's use a really simple example with Mm -hmm. car owners. Let's say Facebook can confidently identify 30% of its audience as car owners and 30% of its audience as non-car owners, but 40%, it just doesn't know. And so when you jack the budget up, it's not going to say no to your money. So it starts dipping into that 60% where it just doesn't know and the data is murkier and it's harder to put together patterns and it's harder to identify those users. I'll also agree with you, Barry, that an incredible amount of advertising agencies are super mid. I don't trust them to actually define out funnel stages, right? Because the truth of the matter is there's lots of overlap. People jump back and forth between levels of decisioning, right? If I'm going to buy a hot tub, but no medical bill came up, maybe I'm back to consideration now and I have to put it back on the back burner, that sort of thing, right? Lots of stuff in life happens. People are just messy. It's not so clear. And I think a lot of the reason that Mm -hmm. they're doing that in these sorts of platforms, if I'm going to be frank, is they're trying to justify their retainment. I tweeted about this. They're doing stuff. He'll say, look, yes. look how good we're doing, right? This, this hyper-obsessive view on, on naming. Nothing more than saying, hey, we're, things, we're, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to re-architect well, they, your account. I literally, like, yeah. if you guys haven't seen my tweet from yesterday, oh my God, please do, because it's... I have you muted. Uh, fucking no, kill you. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't no, be surprised if, you, if I was. But literally, I wrote this long no, no, spiel about not. how I think a lot of these agencies basically just are intentionally obfuscating actual performance because they have no control over performance because they're not controlling the creative. They're not controlling the landing page. They're not controlling any of the product, right? So they're just trying to justify Mm -hmm. spend and their ridiculous fee that's being run by their most junior employee. It's insane. 
Yeah, and they're dumping stuff into a Google Data Studio with tons of graphs and charts to just avalanche their client rather than giving meaningful yeah. insights. And that's, again, I think that's the hyper-obsessive focus on naming conventions. Yes, naming conventions matter, but this is the hill I will die on kind of attitude about it is just silly because naming conventions, they don't affect performance. They make it easier to parse data, but they don't do it's, anything. It's typically emblematic, emblematic right? of like, someone being thoughtful and careful about what they're doing so they can interpret it. And yeah, transparency. I, Barry, yeah. I'm not arguing against that. I said that they're useful, but they in and of themselves should not be the primary Correct. focus. And people making it the primary focus, I think, is emblematic. People trying to justify a fee rather than doing meaningful well, work. Classic. You know? I love this conversation. I, I got it. Yeah. So the big, the big underlining point I, I think is really important about what my entire point of this consolidation is yeah. that great content. Truly great ads mm -hmm. are what actually really matter way more than the segmentation. Yep. And I want you to think about the power of a really good TV campaign, <laughs> right? That's going to work well for someone who's bought your product a thousand times and someone who's never bought your product before. If you can make an ad that works for, bo for both of those people, then that's going to work at all the levels of your funnel. And it doesn't really fundamentally matter. And so using yeah. these ultra broad tools are dangerous in, in Facebook because it can cheat. And I do recommend always excluding your existing customers for almost every brand, not every brand, but almost every brand so that you can focus on growth yeah. and have the system focus on growth. Even if it is profitable for you to target your existing customers, your growth might be held back by that. Yeah. Have you seen how non-incremental retargeting yeah. is? So the challenge is creative is wildly important. I am not a creative guru in any way, stretch of the imagination. It's not where I tend to focus. I think having strong creative is, is wildly important, making sure you're working with agency in-house, whoever that has the ability to iterate quickly, learn quickly, and create great creative <laughs> is wildly important. I think landing page experience, pricing is important, having an amazing product and value prop obviously matters for conversion rate. But I do think campaign structure is important in bidding because again, if you muddle, there's attribution, there's incrementality, and then there's marginality. And there's these three things, right? And one is attribution is where are you attributing these conversions to? And so, you know, every platform will take credit for whatever they can take credit for, right? Because these are the platforms that you're spending the money on. And this is what, you know, Jeremy was kind of alluding to before is I'm going to take credit for it because I had some touch point in the journey. Great. Then incrementality how incremental was, was that conversion if that touch point didn't exist would that person still have converted and obviously you're not talking about at each level but that's the idea and you know in some ways it's funny i feel convertro kind of solved this almost 12 years ago and then they were bought by aol and then facebook actually made display ads kind of work and so that was the whole problem you know and facebook wanted to do their own ad server and then they canned that and so really the, the challenge is this, is this incrementality piece. So if you are running a kind of a blended acquisition retargeting together on Facebook, then I would do it in a way where you're either constantly every three months, every one month, depending on your spend level, holding out a test and control so you can see how incremental it is, right? Because otherwise what ends up happening is you have 10 other platforms that you're spending money on or three other platforms or sure. zero other platforms you're spending mon money on. They're all, the, all that traffic is going into this bucket of retargeting and acquisition. And retargeting yeah. is... Five ten percent of the pool, <laughs> if even of mm -hmm. the people that they're targeting, and yet it's 20, 30, 40 percent yep. of the conversions. So, yep. blended, it looks hey, our CAC is you know, our CAC targets 
100 bucks, our cat's 80 bucks, things are great, awesome. But what you realize is if you pulled out retargeting, the, the cat there would be closer to 150 or 200 or whatever the numbers are. Sure. Obviously, we're just making uh, up numbers uh, at this point. So it's important to hold out that control I, or to split it out. This and is where I want to win you up. Yeah, go ahead. So I think the, the typical modern problem with retargeting is that it's too segmented. It's too many assumptions are being made about it. It's too much control. That's what I'm, I'm generally saying is that a lot of marketers are saying, let's retarget people who engage with our page or people that were visited site or people that added to cart, whatever it is, they might segment them. Maybe they have them all bundled either way. I'm saying I want to yeah. have this. Uh, I want to, I actually to do two things. I do a, pro, a prospecting that does exclude those. That's what I'm doing now. I have a prospecting setup where I'm running stuff. Maybe that's also where I'm testing, where I'm running ads that are excluding visitors of a certain period. For some accounts, maybe 14. Agreed. Yeah, once you're Maybe at, 14 yeah. days. Once you're after a certain period of time, depending on the consideration set, you're acquiring them top of so, I'm, I'm with you on that, right? If it's a considered purchase that should only take someone 30 days mm -hmm. to make a decision on, once they're past 30 days, throw them back in the top of the funnel. And you kind of have to reacquire right. them. To and the that's, funnel. I mean, but with the thing with ASC now, where it is that blended, I'm letting those, I'm. You could not well, blend it, right? Well, I'm not, I'm saying excluding customers for the most part, but. Yeah. You could I don't want to, I do not recommend that at this. That's, that's, that's neutering the purpose of this new tool that Facebook is giving us. That's what I'm against. So I, I let, think you're saying Facebook, take advantage of me. I, and I'm saying take so, advantage of me unless you're all, unless you're running a testing mm -hmm. control against it. How do you know that the so, 20 conversions you got yesterday were 18 of them were retargeting? Yeah. So this is where, this is where I'm going to chime in and do my little thing. I think that ultimately Barry is right in the sense of single platform focus. You should just YOLO it because it, it's going to do a better job than a media buyer can mostly smart exclusions, whatever, but mostly let it do its thing. Now, the other There's side of this the bigger is piece that, you're missing, by the I'll way. I'll say that I think that when it comes to testing incrementality and I'm going to go on my own personal soapbox here and say channel mix is wildly more important than trying to sequence specific ads. What you need to start looking at is geographic holdout sure. testing. And you need to say in market one, we're gonna do Facebook. And in market two, we're gonna do nothing. In market three, we're gonna do Facebook and CTV and market four, right? So if it's a sandbox environment, I say, yeah, mostly let it do its thing, but check it against geographic holdout testing and look for lift and look for channel mix in particular which I think is more important than trying to do a specific ad sequence, Look, right? We're talking about two different things here because we're talking about multi-platform and obviously they all kind of blend. They 100%, all kind of bleed into 100%. each other. Yeah. Like maybe outline what types of brands we're talking about because we're talking about massive, we're talking about the Dr. Squatch, like they're massive. That doesn't compare. In the, and I imagine most of the audience for this is not on those bigger, bigger brands, but who knows? But the, the thing I'm actually yeah. also trying to help with for most brands is cannibalization within Facebook. <laughs> Where you have, when you have retargeting, you have I'm more ad sets. Every single ad set that allows overlap with other ad sets is effectively stealing and retargeting those people. Someone sees an, a video from ad set A, and then they see a video from I'm ad set B, and then they click an ad from ad set C. Only ad set C gets attributed for that purchase. The fewer ad sets you have. I think it's a bigger deal within the split between yeah. acquisition and retargeting. I think this is probably the weakest point of the structures 
that mm -hmm. I tend to recommend. And I think as brands get larger, yeah. if there's enough spend, that there's potential to do retargeting but, Facebook traffic only versus yeah. all other traffic. And and now you kind of have three, three different saying, you, have, yeah. you, know, you have acquisition, then you have retargeting for Facebook audiences and retargeting for all other audiences. And that retargeting for Facebook audiences kind of gets blended in with the acquisition in terms of the increment, in terms of in terms of how you value Facebook as a whole. And then that Facebook retargeting one is retargeting for all mm -hmm. non-Facebook audiences is a separate one. And that's a solve for brands that and get large enough. I'm that. saying so. that by simplifying the structure, having fewer ad sets that, that conflate and overlap, and you're saying to Facebook, here's a budget I need you to hit, and I need you to get this goal for that budget. You're okay. saying, actually, here's this bigger budget with this one ad set with all of these ads, and you, Facebook, can actually go and choose oh, no, to show people this ad this day and this ad this day or show who's, the same ad over and over and over Facebook, again. Who's Facebook going to spend money on? Me, who added three items to cart yesterday, and now I'm, now I'm browsing the web? Or you, who, who's never been to the site, right? It's much cheaper to get me to convert than it is to tap a funnel. And conflating the performance of me coming back mm -hmm. through Facebook to convert versus you who's completely cold is confl oh. co conflating and including those and considering those the same I value in terms of what you're driving on the, in, in terms of incrementality is, it's is a, a huge issue. Guys, we're coming yeah. up on time. So here's the deal. Everybody gets a last point and then I'll wrap it up. The big thing here to me is a lot of this is just about gradient and that too much control is not good. To Andrew's point very much that I agree with, it's important to understand the inputs and outputs you're using here. The attribution setting you're using alone can dictate a lot of this. If you're allowing Facebook to consider a conversion after one day and after impression within one day or a click, any click on any ad, right? That's a click. They don't even have to click to the, the link. That's any click on the ad. And then seven days after that, they're able to count that as a conversion. The system can cheat towards that based on other actions those users have taken. If you're allowing it to, 100%, you are correct. There is a problem with that. It is not. There are a lot of non-incremental conversions, and that's a problem. And I don't know. I, there is not a, an actual good solution to that. Andrew, maybe to your point, it is not allowing Facebook to use any of this ultra-broad stuff at all. But that comes at the cost of a bigger problem. And... I can get on board with a lot of prospecting stuff, excluding, I like to exclude one day visitors. Sometimes I call it the Barry hot special one day visitors, one day engagers, because if someone's been to site, you know, in the last day, you branded oh, a one yeah. day. Visitor if someone's been to site, well, excluding them specifically, <laughs> if someone's been to site in the last day, do I need to show them an ad again? Some would say absolutely. Yes. And I would say, no, that's a non-incremental ad impression or click. So, you know, I can also make that justification for seven day visitors as well. So I'm with you, Andrew, on that. There is some control and is the most important thing here is for anyone listening is to be mindful about all of these things and be mindful about the overlap. Be mindful of how the system can steal and cannibalize credit from one thing to another. And especially it is going to be non-incremental if you're running more on more traffic sources. Facebook is going to get the lowest hanging fruit and be in, as lazy as possible. And that is a problem that every advertiser needs to think about. Say lazy. I, I say smart and efficient. You know, oh, lazy a, is a Facebook compliment. Channel. I consider myself I, extremely lazy. I, it's I, one of my superpowers. I'm, I'm, with, yeah. I'm, with I'm with you. I think all, all anyone who's advertising on Facebook should hedge your bets by buying <laughs> some stock as well. Not investment advice, you know, DYR. <laughs> 
But I think Facebook's great at targeting. There's good and bad of it, right? I would caution people to think through their exclusions. And depending on where you are on the journey, you're spending $25,000 a month, $50,000, $100,000, $500,000, $5,000,000. There's different levels of nuance you need for these different That's levels so of spend. That's so important. Different levels. What you just said is so important. Most yeah. people don't understand that. You're spending 25k a month acquisition, retargeting, retention. Let, let's no, not overcomplicate it. I'm saying three basic buckets. You're, you know, me, Barry, I might have uh, disagreements about that. But I think it goes back to attribution, incrementality, and marginality, right? And those are kind of the three different levels of sophistication and nuance you probably need. Attribution, thinking about how these channels are attributing those conversions, you know, and where in the funnel those consumers are, how incremental those things are. And then once you're thinking through incrementality and you have a process in place to think through and value, you know, acquisition versus retargeting traffic different versus, you know, 30-day retargeting and 60-day retargeting differently, then you have to start thinking about marginality, right? How, you know, my average CAC and my average performance on these channels is not my marginal CAC. And um, thinking through that, which is, a, you know, a whole other topic. If you take something away from this conversation, thinking through what level of nuance is appropriate for your spend level, thinking through and making sure that you have some type of checks and balance on the agency and or media buyers, internal, external that you have, <laughs> and on Facebook and Google as well. We didn't talk about performance max and the blending of brand and non-brand that's happening there, which is wild. But it's the same thing. These media companies are not aligned incentive-wise completely Agreed. with you as a media buyer. You need to just be smart and have a thought process and check that and against By the way, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's content above all. The more that you can focus on making great ads that do the heavy lifting for you, and make sense to the most possible users, you'll have the biggest wins. That That's the lever I see constantly yeah. winning. And it it doesn't matter as much if someone's hot, cold, never heard of you before, heard of you a thousand times before. The impact is bigger, the better your ads are, the more relevant they are to the bigger audiences. So, yeah, so I'll wrap up with some quick thoughts on kind of what everybody said in both. First off, thank you both for being on the show. This has been this a genuinely great. really thank interesting you. debate. I think that there's value <laughs> to get out of it you know even though barry basically embarrassed himself the entire time i'm really glad he was here and uh, no i'm joking look i i think i think that where we can come together is this right it depends on yeah. your spend it depends on if you're using multiple channels or a single channel i think that we can generally agree that good creative can make up for bad yes. media buying but great media buying can't make up yes. for shitty creative i think also for brands the biggest takeaway that i think if you had one thing that you listen to this whole thing and you just want one hot, hot takeaway, right? I'm stealing Barry's trademark, his IP with that, is if your agency is doing something, right, and they can't justify why it won't end up with better incrementality, marginality, better efficiency, something, right, and they're just doing something to do it, you're probably adding complexity for the sake of complexity that will hurt performance. If they can justify it, and I see there's a band of right answers here and a lot of answers inside of that, and they can tell you why they're doing something and why they think it will matter, and they're taking a more holistic look, I think that they're probably doing something in that band of right things to do, right? And so that's really the takeaway. Push your agency if they're doing stuff for the sake of doing it or to justify a retainer, or if they are actually being thoughtful about audience overlap, incrementality, marginality. And then it comes down to individual style, and it comes down to individual style per brand, what is actually going to work, whether that's a single channel or multiple channels. And finally, to put a cherry on top of all of this, the only thing that actually matters is CPM. No, so, you know, this kind of whole no, debate no, was, no, was, entirely, no. was entirely in futility anyways. <laughs> I'm joking. Anyways. <laughs> 
I appreciate you both being on the show. This is fun. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you all. Jeremy. Quick plug for both of you before I end recording. Sure. Yeah, so I am the solo GP and founder of Irreverent PC, early stage fun, really focused on ad tech, e-com enablement, vertical SaaS, marketplaces. So if you're a founder or a fellow investor in the space, you know, hit me up, find me on Twitter, submit a form, pitch me online on my website, irreverent.io, I-R-R-V-R-N-T.io. We'll be raising fun too soon. So if you're a potential LP, you want to chat, hit me up. I'm around. Great. Yeah, Barry Ott, longtime Facebook ad nerd, clearly. I've been doing this for a while. I'm now consulting and advising. I also advise a creative agency called AdCrate, where we do performance UGC and other creative for brands. So if you if you need some additional creative beyond what your internal team or what your existing agency team is putting out, we can sometimes be a good lever. I think we don't have any room for any new clients right now, but uh, shout out to adcrate.co. And yeah, I do hourly consulting, advising bigger projects and happy to help your agency or brand scale and grow and and solve the difficult problems that you're probably running into. Excellent. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And for all the listeners out there, hopefully you got something valuable out of this. And remember, the only thing that matters is CPM. Have a good one.